Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. If you'd like an ad-free start to your Studio DNA podcast, you can support Sif Pop at patreon.com slash studio DNA. And thanks. The Sif Pop podcast is recorded in front of a live internet audience. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that is giving you a hard stare right through your headphones. It's Sif Pop. Is it getting hot in here? <laughs> Just a little bit. A little bit. Welcome to Sif Pop, streaming live on Spreaker every Saturday afternoon now, or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrick the Perks! Patrons get those parts. And Lucy! I'm Aaron Dicer from YourMovieFriend.com. He's Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy! And each week, we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. It's been a hot minute, man. Yeah. Welcome back to the wild world of Missouri. You missed all the snow, huh? No, I came back just in time for the snow. Oh, okay. The thing about Missouri is, here's the thing with Missouri. Like, I, I grew up in Michigan, right? Oh, yeah. So, this is a flurry for you. Got back this past weekend, Sunday night. Yeah. Got, I'm going to say two, two and a half inches of snow. Yeah. Does that, does that seem fair? Yeah. Maybe three in some places, something like that. Yeah. Michigan, that doesn't mean anything. Everybody, no, yeah. everybody goes to school the next day. Everybody goes to work. You know, they get it cleared off. I mean, two and a half inches is nothing. Yeah. Here, my kids were out of school till Thursday. Well, they didn't go back until Friday. They missed four days of school for two inches of snow. I think it's more because. Missouri doesn't know how to deal with snow. Sure. Whereas absolutely. Michigan is like, okay, we got to pre salt the roads. We got to make sure we get all of our plows out there and everything. Missouri's just like, why is the rain so cold? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mentioned pre salting. That's an interesting thing. Never did that in Michigan. They never oh, really? pre salted roads in Michigan. Huh. Uh, they put the, so- the salt on as it was falling or mm. afterwards and then plow through it. So when we came to Missouri, and I and they do pre-salt the roads here. Like, if they think a storm is coming, yeah. they'll put salt down. And we're driving, you know, uh, out, and there must have been a storm coming that night. And all, we're hearing, like, this clicking against our car. And it's like, what is going on? Salt. There's salt on the roads. Yeah. And it's like, it just seems weird. It seems weird to us, because they never did it that way up there. Yeah. But um, it just seems like it would kick all off the road before the snow got there. Did you ever so. chain your tires when you lived in Michigan? No, we didn't deal with it. We were in southern Michigan or, oh. or middle Michigan to southern Michigan, so it yeah. didn't get that bad. And when it did, you know, if we got a foot of snow, you know, we'd just stay in. Yeah. Um, but no, we didn't do didn't do tire chains or anything like That's that. That's illegal here, I found out. Well, yeah, because it'll mess up the road. Well, the roads are the... Okay, did you know that Missouri has the second worst roads in the nation? Is that true? That yeah. sounds like something people just say about their own state. No, no, no. Is the second worst roads, because I saw it on the news uh, like a couple months ago, we have the second worst roads behind Hawaii only because Hawaii has the volcanoes that, er- <laughs> that erode the roads and stuff. But other than that, Missouri- Their has, excuse is lava. Their excuse is lava. So the only thing keeping Missouri from having the worst roads in the nation is lava. Nice. 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting and sad. Well, welcome to your M dot. Uh, Thanks, Modot of, of the week. <laughs> Thanks, oh Modot. yeah, it's Modot here. It's M dot in Michigan. Yeah, we got Modot. Modot here. Uh, so that's your update for the week. Uh, we've got a fun show today. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna talk about Paddington Two. Yeah. Excited to review that. Gonna do best ever English quote unquote movies or movies from England, Great Britain. Yeah. England uh, is my city. Yeah, uh, not that not that England and Great Britain are the same thing. I know they're not. Don't, don't at me. I get it. I understand. There's there's different countries and such. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about that, and then we're also going to, of course, do Sif Quest and our buried treasure. But we like to start off with some. Do we care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world, and I must pick some topics for us to discuss. But this week, actually, Aaron requested a special topic for oh, us to right, go I with. Did. Yeah, we are going to be talking about Nintendo Labo. Is that yeah. how you say Labo? I think it's Labo. Okay. How so, else would it be pronounced? Labo? Uh, Labo. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo Labo. Nintendo Labo. So it's cardboard. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, um, I want to. Okay, first off, before I get into my. Thoughts on it? Since you were the one who wanted to talk about this, I want to hear what you think about this. Also, you're the Nintendo guy. Right. No, that's so, true. Yeah. Um, so for me, I saw I saw it starting to pop up on my Twitter feed. Like, I saw it trending. Okay, And I was yeah. like, what is this Nintendo? Because they just announced it this week. It's not coming out until uh, April 20th, I think. Yeah. Um, Pete, leave it to Nintendo to pick Weed Day for <laughs> it's, to have cardboard be the new cool thing for people to right. play with. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I watched the little thing on it Yeah, and I was like, yep, this is why I love Nintendo because they, they, everybody, so Microsoft and Sony are like, we've got more pixels and Nintendo's like, we can make your dreams come true. <laughs> it's just like a whole different, like they don't even care. Like they're just like, we're about fun. We think this would be fun. People are going to enjoy this. So we're going to do it now. I don't know if it's going to work like they show in that video. Oh no! I, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't put it past them to figure it out. I have so many problems with this whole thing. Yeah, but I, I, but that's to be seen, right? Like we can talk about that. Yeah, yeah. But we really don't know that until April. You know, yeah. until it starts coming out, what it's going to be. I'm guessing some of these concepts they're showing. Yeah. These advanced concepts, like the virtual reality one, where you actually have you know the handles that you hold. No, like where you have handles that you hold. Oh and yeah. The stuff on your feet and a backpack, and then you put the switch on and goggles on your eyes, and it's just like a virtual reality system that you walk and, yeah. and hit with and stuff. Like that seems to me like that's probably if it ever happens way down the road. Yeah. With cardboard. Um, after what's that? <laughs> with cardboard. Yes, with cardboard. <laughs> oh, we'll get to why you're stuck on this cardboard thing i got uh, so many okay we'll, we'll yeah. get we'll get there in a second yeah. <laughs> but the thing about this is it is such a beautiful way to encourage game players to be creative and to be tactile with what they're doing and the incredible thing about it is is it's educational as well because you're learning about how things work how they move you're you know it reminds me of putting model kits together when i was a kid which a lot of kids don't do anymore because they're yeah. playing video games that kind of stuff and i and i just it just reminded me the importance of tactile learning and why I think this is going to be a really cool thing for kids to get involved in. And just just the the free thinking to say, okay, where do we put the Switch screen? Where do we put the Switch controllers? How can that be fun? You know, can we make them into little bug robots that, you know, run around the floor? Yeah. Do we make them into people that you can walk around the floor? Do we put, you know, put them together in a cardboard piano that you can somehow play? Um, it, it could be really interesting. <laughs> 
So anyways, okay. So I, obviously you have big problems with the cardboard at least, but go into your issues. So here's some issues, and they're going to sound like they contradict each other. So first one up. No worries, ma'am. So the cardboard is not very durable. So if you're trying to fold and put this thing together, I guarantee you 90% of the people are going to tear that cardboard or, you know, misfold it and stuff, and then they've just ruined the whole thing. <laughs> now, from a business standpoint, how long is it going to be before somebody just prints off the uh, the thing online, the outlines online, and then they just get a random cardboard box and make it that way? Well, I wondered. When I first saw it, yeah. I thought that was the plan. I thought they were selling the cardboard, and what you did was you bought like a print, like a 3D printer type thing. It looks like it's pre-cut. I think it is. Okay. I think it is. But after I got into the video, I was like, oh, no, oh, no, no. Okay. They're selling yeah, you yeah. pre-cut cardboard. Yeah. But when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. So basically, you just download the labo that you want to do, and then you print it at home, and it yeah. perforates it and, you know, inks it or whatever. And I was like, wow, that's so. I was thinking there was like a, you know, $300 peripheral that, you know, to print the stuff, and then you would buy the cardboard separately. I was like, I don't know. But then when I realized they were, you know, pre packaging all that stuff, it made a little more sense to me. You know what's funny is they are going to send you cardboard. In a cardboard box. That's how, that's how they have to mail it <laughs> well, to different you. kinds of cardboard. Yeah, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's pretty meta to have cardboard. <laughs> it's like Inception. You got to go one level deeper. That's right. Um, Some others just like, you know, how I think durability, long... by the way, is a fine point. Durability is mainly the issue I have with it, you know. I Don't get me wrong. I understand because, you know, it's it makes me... Uh, you know, it, it's you know, if it breaks, you're like, oh man, I just broke this four hundred dollar piece of equipment. Yeah. Instead, and as opposed to, oh man, this cardboard ripped. But at the same time, it makes me wonder, like, if you're playing the fishing ones, really got me. That reel is not gonna last. It's interesting. So right? how long are they expecting you to it's play? More than cardboard. The some of the pieces are string, string. Yeah. And it looked like maybe some plastic pieces to hold a few parts together. Yeah. That's uh, I didn't see any plastic. Maybe I'll have to go. But I only watched the video once. I will I'm say that. I'm guessing it's like a starter kit where yeah. you can do something simple. And then you buy the Labo kits, like a yeah. Lego kit. You know, yeah. you would buy the Labo kits. Because right now, Lego is the primary tactile, um, you know, Man, thing that kids if use. They would have, so, like, if they would have partnered with Lego to do something well, like Well, they still might. You know what I mean? That's the thing about this kind of concept. They develop yeah. this game, and then you can just build, you know, stuff around that framework. It reminds me uh, the genius of, um, oh, what's the, the Mario Maker game? Where yeah. it's like, you know, it's just a concept, but the, it's the users in the community that have made it incredible, have made it amazing, because people are designing Mario levels and that kind of stuff. Nintendo's always kind of been about that kind of thing. So. Mario Maker is like one of the most impressive yet frustrating things ever. People are really trying to see, can I make the most difficult Mario level right. in history? And then they do it. <laughs> and it's like, wow. You were evil. <laughs> uh, somebody in the chat said $70 for some cardboard. Yeah. Uh, I've heard that complaint before. That It's for the game, right? It's for the software. No, they are definitely going to charge you for that cardboard. Well, no, I know, but I mean the cardboard's included. But I'm saying, like, you pay already 50 to 60 bucks for a Switch game, right? Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, it, it doesn't seem that exorbitant to me to throw another $10 on there for, you know, to add in the, the cardboard pieces and the... Uh, from a business stuff. standpoint, I think it would make so much more sense to just make that a free add-on, 
Put it online that you can download the blueprints and then trace those blueprints onto the cardboard. Just random card. Everybody has cardboard. I bet that happens. I bet that happens it's, still. Yeah, but what I'm saying... It, don't get me wrong. From a unique... Xbox would never do this. PlayStation right, would never do exactly. this. That part I can appreciate. That is, this is a total Nintendo thing. It fits in perfectly with their marketing style. Right, yeah, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, the thought of somebody charging me for specifically cardboard is kind of like. Huh. Well, let's let's also be clear. It's not really for you or me either, right? This is. It might be for you. I think. Hmm, it might be for you. No, I. I really? mean, I, I might enjoy it. Um. For as much as the you were praising thing, it on Twitter, I thought you were stoked for this. Well, I'm not. I, listen, I've, I've stopped being a gamer, you know, several years ago. Like, I, I just don't get into games I much. I forgetting so, that. So, I, you know, for me, uh, the, the gaming I do is, you know, playing Adventure Capitalist on my phone. So, you know, yeah. or, com, or Communist Capitalist now. I forget um, that your love of Nintendo is Communist. strictly a viewer. I love the company. It. I love I, it's. They blow my mind how they uh, they blow everybody's expectations out of the water right with the Wii, right? And then the Wii U, f- like, flops. And everybody, once again, is like, just go back to software. Quit making hardware. And then they make the Switch, and it's the best-selling video game console of all time. So, what, 1.7 million Switches in December alone? Yeah. It's insane. They can't keep them in stock. It's, it's crazy. And I just... Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with when you take big swings, you're going to hit home runs, and yeah. you're also going to strike out. And yeah. I just, it's, I just, I'm really impressed with their what do they call it? Red ocean? Is it something like that? Red ocean strategy, where you look where the red is in the ocean, that's where the blood is, where all the sharks are feeding, and you go. So, oh, they call it blue ocean actually strategy. And so you go to the blue ocean where nobody else is feeding and yeah. do your own thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's really. It, it, Don't ask me questions. I'm terrified of the ocean. You'll, <laughs> my my mine is no ocean. <laughs> nice. Mine is no ocean. Yeah. So I'm impressed with Nintendo. Yeah. I do love their games. I've played a little bit of the new Mario game on the Switch. It's genius. It's so much fun. I have a feeling if I was into gaming as I was back when uh, Galaxy came out, Super Mario Galaxy, yeah. that I would love it as much as I loved Super Mario Galaxy. It felt a lot like Super Mario Galaxy to me. Uh, so in the Zelda game is incredible. Um, so, you know, they, they, I, I know they're fun to play. I just, I look at it more from afar, from a, like a company kind of standpoint. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just really impressed with stuff like this. Yeah. We'll, well see how it works though. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I can appreciate Nintendo's ingenuity and uniqueness above like Sony PC or Xbox. Xbox is still the best though. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I'm just, I'm not, I mean, I guess. I guess if I was invested in the console wars or whatever, I would vote Nintendo or or yeah. whatever. But I just because I'm not a gamer, I feel less connected to the need for there to be one better than the others. Yeah. Um. I really think I. This is my opinion. I feel like you've got Sony and Microsoft battling for hardcore gamer, big graphics, big games, and then you've got Nintendo going. We're gonna have fun. Yeah. And if you want to come over and have fun with us, come over and have fun with us. And if you feel like we're too kiddy for you, then go play the stuff you think is more grown up. But oh yeah. It's it's just I feel like they 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 almost have pulled themselves out of that console war and just said we're kind of doing our own thing. Yeah. So, I don't know, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it all all plays out. Yeah. I think the primary reason the Switch is selling so well, I don't know if I've said this uh, on the show, and I don't think it's like a revelation. I think certainly somebody else has said this. What, portability? Not just portability. The portability means that it becomes a personal system. So, for instance, in my house, I have four children. 
before we would just get one Wii and then they'd play the Wii together or, you know, and it'd stay there hooked to the TV. But because it's portable, now they all want their own Switch. So instead of a household having one system, for instance, in my household, now I, we don't, we've got, we've actually got two switches in my household, yeah. but we could have four switches or for that matter, six switches. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's one of the reasons it's selling, it's selling almost more like a, like a handheld. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody needs one of their own. Yeah. So it's interesting, but. but yeah, yeah. That, that makes total sense. It really does. Uh, I, I want to revisit Labo. You know, a few months after it's come out, and kind of see how what the reception has been. Yeah, because um, I'm really curious what how it's going to work. All and... these kids with paper cuts is going to be great. <laughs> it's it's going to be great, huh? Yeah. What I've always wanted yeah. is a world with cardboard paper cuts on all the children. Yeah, one day. <laughs> I, th- I thought we got <laughs> I thought we got rid of the sweatshop shop mentality in uh, in America. Uh, we got to make America great again, don't you <laughs> oh, know? No. Oh, technically, oh, no. America doesn't have a government right now, but oh, no, that's right. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's shut down. But hey, you know what? That is going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Nice. All right, uh, let's get into the movie review. Let's talk Paddington Two. Mister Gruber. Oh, what's this? Oh, <laughs> this is London. It's wonderful. Aunt Lucy always dreamed of coming to London. If she saw this, it would be like she were finally here. Aunt Lucy! Oh, Paddington. This is perfect. Settled in with the Brown family, Paddington the Bear is a popular member of the community who spreads joy and marmalade wherever he goes. (laughs) One fine day, he spots a pop-up book in an antique shop, the perfect present for his beloved aunt's 100th birthday. When a thief steals the prize book, Paddington embarks on an epic quest to unmask the culprit before Aunt Lucy's big celebration. All right, let's kick it off with uh, just the overall liked it, loved it, didn't like it, hated it. It was just okay. I liked it. Liked it? I liked it, yeah. I am firmly in the loved it category. Really? Oh, I loved this movie so much. Oh, excellent. I, I And I loved the first one, too. So yeah. these movies are, it's almost as if, you know how you have that experience when a movie is just made for you? Yeah. The Paddington movies, I, I just feel like somebody took my psychological profile and went, how do we fill a movie with optimism, joy, <laughs> cuteness, humor, dry humor. Yeah. Like, it's like everything I love. So, so that's what I want to talk about first, because I saw both Paddington movies within hours of each other, because I hadn't seen the first oh, one. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, because this is going to sound weird. I didn't want to see the Paddington movies because I was raised on Paddington. And like on the books? The books. And my mom, she was... A military brat, you know, traveling around the world. But whenever she was a kid, she was raised in England. So yeah. Paddington was a big part of her life. So I had Paddington bears when I was a kid and Aww. stuff like that. And I Little didn't, flick freaks and, with the Paddington bear. Yes. I didn't have it's a beard so back cute. then. But uh, I was that's like... That's funny. I imagined you with a beard back then. So Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, uh, didn't want to like, oh man, that's not how my childhood, that's not the Paddington I envisioned. But right. whenever I saw the first one, I'm like, wow, this is actually a very, very funny movie. Yeah, it really And it is. caters to my style of humor. Yeah, exactly. How people are just so nonchalant about a talking bear walking around London. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get down <laughs> with this. this is, I know what type of movie this is. Uh, performances. Sally Hawkins is so good. Yeah. That's just the mom well, and, everybody and, loves. And Hugh Bonneville oh. is so great. He is so funny. Um, and he's and he's just, you know, just enough different than what you've seen him in Downton Abbey or, you know, other things that yeah. he's definitely his own character. Uh the kids are good, but they're not um 
they're not so central to what's going on. Everybody seems to have like an equal role in what's going on. In the first one. In the first one? I didn't think so in the second one. Really? You thought there were some more than others? I, I The kids were very non-existent, I felt, in this one. Yeah, I kind of felt like it was the same. Really? But maybe, yeah, but maybe that, but you just saw them back to back. So I would trust your opinion probably even more than I would trust my own. Yeah. Because you just saw them, but. I would too. But anyway, <laughs> just in general. Yeah. I always trust my own opinion. Uh, let's talk about some of the stuff uh, we loved. I mentioned a few things when I was talking about why it's right up my alley, but what are yeah. some of the things that you enjoyed? Because you did say you liked it. So, um, a, a theme that's gone from the first one to this one that I really do appreciate, and something we don't really get in movies nowadays, is just unabashed optimism. Yeah. This movie is just like. Find the good in people and the world will be a better place. Is that the quote? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I, I don't think, know if it's the exact quote. But I, that's... I, I hope um, they're going to, because I know the Paddington like film community is yeah. very adamant. So <laughs> I apologize if I misquoted it, but I think, you know, the general theme of it yeah. is if, you know, so I, I just loved it, you know, just the, the whole, it's not, a, it's, I don't, I think because a lot of people know from the trailers and stuff, the whole prison thing is just so adorable how cute he made it, you know, because we have so many terrible things like Oz and all these other prisons. This is like the most Oz. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like if there is a mirror Yang to Oz, uh-huh. it's Paddington too. It's the most, like, I want to go to that prison. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I just can see the SNL writer's room right now. Uh, writing the Oz Paddington, of Paddington. Yeah, yeah. crossover sketch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know me. I, I I love being a movie optimist. I love being an optimist in my real life. Yeah. I love trying to see the best in all situations. Uh, I think what strikes me with the optimism, and I think this is kind of a key component of it, is there's a complete lack of cynicism. You know, there's just the, there's a complete lack of, oh, you know, um, sure, we can have a good message, but we better balance it with the real world or, you know, whatever. And it's like, no, this movie almost seems to be saying, no, we want this to be the real world, you know? And even though there are people making bad decisions and there are quote unquote villains, uh, you know, it's done in a way where it's, it's, it feels very simplistic and that can be a pro or a con to people. In fact, if I had one uh, negative, in fact, you're going to have to take the negative section because I honestly rack my brains for things. Oh, I got negative. My brains. My brain for things that... Uh, Aaron Dicer <laughs> letting you know his brain is so magnanimous he had to get a second brain. Oh, man. Anyhow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I was racking my brain for negatives and I really couldn't find any. But if there is one that I can see for a lot of people... It's that that level of non-cynicism, optimism, joy, uh, the huge heart of it could feel bland, could feel not uh, not well-rounded. Okay. Uh, and so I think there could be, um, you know, an idea of uh, a little bit of eye-rolling that happens with some of that, um, depending on, you know, what your worldview is. But, you know, for me, I love that stuff, but um, yeah. but that might be the one the one negative that I would see. Um, can we talk about the humor for a second? Please, I really did want to. Oh, it is. It, there's just something like. Here's the thing. I, I want to do a spoiler section on this movie just to talk about the jokes. Okay. Like you know what I mean? Like because, because I don't want to give them away. Yeah. I don't want to spoil those moments. But there are just these you know, moment after moment where I'm like, and the humor in it is is so beautiful because it's just smart. It's just yeah. dry smart humor 
that is very situational and character driven. Yeah. And it's not, you know, there's no there's very little, if any, lowest common denominator type humor. No. You know? Um bathroom but it's jokes also or, universally accessible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and there's none of that winking of the the adults and understand it on a different level than the kids. Yeah. You know, it's all right there for everybody to laugh at and enjoy and understand. So exactly. Uh, so that's that's one of the things I loved about the humor. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, also, something that I was really impressed by. Here's why I uh, another big reason why I didn't want to see both of these movies because there had been so many live action mixed in with CGI character family movies, mm. and none of them are good. <laughs> that's a fair point. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Garfield, I could go on. They're all terrible, and that's another main reason why I didn't want to see this movie. I'm like, oh, they're so bad. Why would you ruin my childhood with... That's <laughs> Smurfs. What, that's why, yeah, Smurfs. That's why I didn't want to see these movies, because yeah. I'm like, okay, I love Paddington when I was a kid, all of those live action mixed in with CGI, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. These movies are the exception to the rule. They're good. And <laughs> not only are is the humor and the story good, the CGI is really good. Yeah, like, it's incredible. Like the actual CGI for Paddington himself, I'm like... And Aunt Lucy and, and Uncle Pastuzo. Well, yeah, but okay, so the bear CGI, I guess, yeah. is impressive. Like, yeah. I was like... Okay, you got you got some skill. You got some not quite on the level of like, you know, War for the Planet of the Apes or anything like that. But it's nothing to like. It's impressive still. Yeah. So um, I also appreciated. Uh, I think as far as performances go, I thought Hugh Grant was on another level in this movie. He was so <laughs> he, he's perfect. playing something I've never seen him play before. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in several some things I've never seen him play before. You know. Yeah. As an as an actor in the movie. You know, he he really. It's interesting because he's he's unhinged in a little in in a way. You know, like it's you know playing these different characters or whatever has kind of it feels like it's kind of changed him. And the same was true for Nicole Kidman's villain in the first one. Like she was yeah. just there's there's a weird insanity to those performances that I just think really works it's in this so world. Ridiculous, you know, it could never happen, and somehow that makes it safe. Yeah, yeah. Does that make like, sense? No, yeah, totally. With the villains, I mean, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're so, you know, like, oh, the, that person would never exist. Ergo, I can't really be scared. Yeah, I think that's right. But at right. the same time, you're like, oh, this is going to be fun. I also love that Hugh Grant is maybe launching kind of a, a second, you know, uh, wind to his career. Um, because I he had a lull, he did have a lull there, and I, I'm really interested to see him do some more stuff because he's funny, he's creative, he's a yeah. good actor. I mean, there, even though this is a you know a silly movie in a lot of ways, yeah, he's doing some really good stuff here with the way not only he's playing his central character, but the way he's playing these other versions of his character. I thought yeah. it was really impressive. <laughs> I totally agree. I would like to see Hugh Grant in more silly comedies and less rom coms. Yeah. Yeah, you know? or or to see him kind of embrace as he's getting older too. I mean, I think he's almost sixty. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, so, he's not aging well. I hate to say it, but he looked well, I, he I looked know. old whenever he was doing. Well, those we're all gonna comedy. look old, like you know. But he's looking older than sixty. That's what I'm I, gonna say. That's interesting because I would say he looks like he's about sixty. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I don't, I don't know which like which like celebrity you're thinking of that looks you know so amazing. John Stamos. It, <laughs> okay, fair enough. If we could all be John Stamos, yeah. we'd be doing well. Yeah. Um, 
Dick Clark. That's, Dick that's, Clark. that's the one to look up to. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, I, I'll be interested <laughs> to see what this next this next part of his career as uh, an aging man is like. And I and I and I love that. And by the way, I love that for the actresses as well. I yeah. You know, I love to see how an actor changes, and I I really hate that every part has to be a young part. I you know I, I love seeing these older actors and actresses you know do cool and interesting things yeah. beyond you know the best exotic marigold hotel you know like there's place for them in mainstream cinema exactly and uh, and I'm excited to see what what Hugh goes to next kind of like with Dame Helen Mir you know she's always done those serious roles but I know a lot of people didn't like the movies Red mm-hmm. but you know it's just she tried something new and it was something new for her and like. I, well, I appreciate good- her. Tr- I appreciate an actor or an actress trying something out of their comfort. I don't know if the, you could say that this would be out of Hugh Grant's comfort zone, but it's something new for him as an actor. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. Um, this, I think this is an interesting conversation and a good one to have about uh, you know aging actors and actresses in cinema because I look at a movie like Red, and it is one of those movies that was made so that older actors and actresses could have a role because it's about aging spies right like exactly. that's a, so and you see them come out like morgan freeman's in one every december like you know a movie yeah. about old people doing something and i'm just like you know come on hollywood like yeah. there's more than just hey here's the old actors you love doing old things yeah they can be central roles to more interesting plots i think bill murray has done a good job of that not that he's ancient or anything but no, you know but i totally agree do you understand what i'm saying like, yeah and, and so I, I wish hollywood would would take a clue and go, you know what? Age is a number. It's like they're but... bringing a youthfulness to age. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, so uh, anyways, that's just, that's just kind of a personal thing. What yeah. else did you, do you like? I have some more stuff. If uh, I'll let you go for some likes. Cause I got some negatives and I figure that's where I'm going to be spending some time. Cause I don't think you will be. <laughs> All right. Let's, um, let me, let me finish with this positive. Okay. Um, I love how authentically and fully, British this movie is both of them actually <laughs> yeah you know it's not afraid of being uh culturally itself yeah um I think of I guess this is from the first one uh which I have seen recently uh too because we send it on cinema sins oh, okay um but in the first one you know they call uh their cookies biscuits you yeah know, or they'll call an elevator a lift or you know a bin you know, at one point yeah. there's a trash can and they call it a bin. I just love that it is it is supremely British and not afraid of it. Yeah. Even with its references and, you know, kind of the the things. That in, and if we don't get that as an American audience, that's fine. Yeah. But if you do kind of understand some of the differences in culture, then it, then it becomes really interesting. And with Paddington itself being so beloved, not just the movies, but, you know, mm-hmm. the property itself being so beloved from English children, you know. Yeah. I think that it would do it an injustice if it wasn't, you know, just straight up British, you know, it mm-hmm. has to be. No, I agree. So I think they yeah, did a good job with that. I totally agree. All right, let's talk about some uh, some of your negatives. So Enlighten me. Maybe this negative is coming off the fact that I saw the original one hours before. This sequel is straight up the first movie. It's exactly the same movie. They just recast it. It's the same jokes. It's the same uh, tropes and stuff like that. It's. I was like, okay. I was. I was hoping that this one, they changed the plot around a little bit as far as like the comedy and like references and stuff. It's the exact same movie. I was hoping to see something new, mm. and I just saw, 
granted, there are jokes here and there that are different, but you know, there are some that are like, okay, that was the exact same joke from the first one. That that there, I, that's the exact same joke from the first one. Now, I I am not aware of what you're talking about, so I'm excited to talk about that in spoilers as well. Yeah. Um, because uh, I would like to see that from your perspective, because I didn't feel that at all. Um, I felt the overarching themes were the same. The idea mm-hmm. of family coming together and each doing their part, you know, uh, which is how the first one is uh, culminates and how the second one culminates. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, some of that structure stuff felt very similar. But I don't remember. I don't remember specific tropes or jokes. Oh, there, the there are plenty. So, no, I'm ex- I'm ex- yeah, no, I'm excited to hear those. What else? Um, that was mainly my big one. Okay, and if that wasn't there, then I could say like if they'd changed that up for me and they have made it more its own movie as opposed to a rehashing of the first one, I could have said I love this movie. I really could have. Yeah. So, but uh, if you are looking for a, did movie, you love the first one? I really liked the first okay. one. I don't know if I could say I loved okay. the first one. I loved its uniqueness and how different it was from anything else I'd seen. It does. It just feels like it's like we were talking about in Nintendo just doing its own thing and being different. This is the, the Nintendo of movies. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's kind of very similar. It's just like we know everybody else is doing mile-a-minute humor and quick, quirky, snarky yeah. jokes and culture pop culture references and and we're just gonna do our thing i think it's the fact that people in this universe this paddington universe react and behave in ways that i've never really seen in other movies yeah like just nonchalantness to things that we would find outlandish they're like Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, that makes sense. And that's a that is a Britishism too, yeah. right? The idea of the stiff upper lip, the idea of nothing phases you, you yeah. know, that whole thing. So I, I think that's part of the British humor in it as well. But you're you're absolutely right. I look at you know pretty much every animated movie that comes out is aping Pixar in some way. You know they're they're taking that Pixar feel of quick humor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is not like if you watch this not knowing anything about who made it, you would never think it's a Pixar movie. This is no. not. And it's so different. But it's so good. And I think that just proves there's something really powerful about just making your own movie and knowing who you are enough just to to live in it and not trying to, you know, be yeah. something else. Maybe this is a uh, a mentality I've heard others say before, like other filmmakers and stuff. Um, and I don't know if that's what they used for this movie, but it's don't make a movie for the audience. Make a movie for yourself and your audience. Like who loves what you love, they will find right. that. Yeah. And they will appreciate that. Because if you try and make a uh, a movie that you can that can be appreciated by everybody, then there's nothing special and unique about it. There's a lot special and unique about the Paddington universe. I yeah. really think so. Absolutely. And I think that they embrace that. Yeah. So I agree. Um do you have one last thing? Uh I you'll love it. If you love the first one, then yeah, this there's so much here to enjoy. Very cool. My one last thing would be uh, my prediction is that Hollywood completely misunderstands the success of the Paddington movies and comes out with the Teddy Ruxpin movie sometime in the next couple of years, and it's a complete flop. Is the, <laughs> here, here's a question for you, and this may be this could have been like a sift quest, and I hope I'm not stealing it from somebody. Is there a property, because some people thought, don't touch the Paddington. This was my childhood. Do not touch this because there's no way you could do okay. it right. Sure. Is there a property for you? Because I know I have one. I'm like, never make a movie about it. Just don't do it. Never? Yeah, never. Hmm. 
You want me to tell no, you mine just so I, I, so you can think of one? Sure, go ahead. Mine's Calvin and Hobbes. Never make a movie. Never let it be it. Sure. Yeah. No, I uh, I'm gonna jump on that train. Okay. No, that's a, that's a great one. Um, you know, I am to the nth degree somebody who says wait to see to judge. But yeah. If, but if somebody announced a Calvin and Hobbes movie, I'd be like, no. Exactly. Don't do it. Yeah. And then I'd rein myself in and I'd be like, no, you got to wait and see how they do. Yeah. And then I'd go watch it and I'd be like, no. (laughs) Yeah. At least that's my guess. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There we go. You ready to talk about some, uh, I'm guessing a recommend from both of us. Yeah. I would really recommend this movie. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Let's talk about best ever movies from England uh, or taking place in England. I guess that's a little bit of a weird distinction to make sometimes. I, I, suppose. Went, I went solely off movies made in, like, not uh, in, like, made in England, but, like, the cast is British, the directors right. yeah, are yeah, British, yeah, yeah. everything is British. Yeah, I think that's a fair way not to go like, on that. like, Gerard Butler's London Has Fallen, you know? That, that does, <laughs> for me, does not count. Or even movies, technically, like Braveheart, I wouldn't count Braveheart as a British movie, even though it takes place in England, you know? In that's, that's interesting. I think I, I would have accepted either, but I'm with you. I actually kind of saw it the same way. Okay. Um, so, no, I, I I wouldn't have included Braveheart either. Yeah. Um, so, let's kind of go through this. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show. Just for clarification point, we'll give this to you as well. Uh, there are some British series yeah. that are going to be on our list, but we'll just pull our favorite example of that series. Yeah. So, for instance, if we really loved the Bond movies, yeah. we're not going to put... A different Bond movie at one, two, and three. We'll just have the Bond movie somewhere in there and talk about our favorite one. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Let's start with number three. Work our way up to number one. I'll best ever first. English movies. Uh, my number three. Representing the Monty Python <laughs> section of the British culture. Yeah. I'm going with Holy Grail. You know that's crazy? It's my number three as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I always feel like we're going to have the exact same three someday. Um, yeah. I can almost guarantee we do not have the exact same three here. Okay. I don't think you have my number one. I would be very surprised if you did. Uh, I probably don't. Um, so, yeah, anyways, Monty Python, hilarious. I almost put the representative as Life of Brian mm-hmm. um, because that movie is amazing as well for that matter. Yeah. Um, what's the other one? Just uh, uh, I just I just think Meaning Flying of Life, Cir- Meaning Meaning of Life, Life yeah. is the other one. I just go back to Flying Circus, but I just realized that's not a movie. That's no, that's their TV. Series. Yeah, that's their TV series. Yeah. Which, man, I used to watch that. I used to binge that on PBS. Oh, yeah, man. Dennis Moore. <sighs> Lumberjack, he's okay. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, there, Holy Grail. I have to do Holy Grail because yeah. I, it is one of... I know a lot of people uh, are much better at you know remembering movie lines than I am. It's the most this, quotable movie of all time. This movie, I, I, just, I can quote it all the way through, basically. Yeah. It's incredible. I think so. it actually did go down as the most quotable movie of all time. I think it was between It and Airplane, and I think Holy Grail won. More quotable most, than Airplane? Yeah, as more quotable than Airplane. Interesting. So. Well, there you go. That's my number three, and your number three and as well. My number apparently. three as well. So. Did you want to say anything else about it? Uh, man, it's just, it is unabashedly british and its dryness and uh do you think it's a movie that could be made today um i don't know that it was a movie that could be made when it was made yeah <laughs> well, that's I mean? so true <laughs> they ran out of money they ran out of money and that's how the movie ends <laughs> i know it's so good um no i yeah. i don't know that it could be yeah i mean i think of um i think an example of um, you know the kind of idea of that is 
Oh, I'm forgetting their names, but there's a comedy troupe that made uh, a movie. What was the movie? Do you know? No, I don't remember. Um, but anyways, uh, there's yeah. you know there are some comedy troops that'll get enough funding, do a movie, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Kids in the Hall, I think, did at one point. So you know it does happen, yeah. but I don't know that it could have. You this could look level like the Broken of, Lizard guys who did Super Troopers. You know, that's so. who I was thinking of. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah Broken Lizard. Yeah, yeah, that's who I was thinking of. Okay. So, but it doesn't have that same level of impact, or at least it hasn't. So yeah. I don't. I don't know. If okay. You could get that today. So you want me to do number two then? Sure. Uh, I'm going to do the James Bond series, and I'm going to pick Skyfall as my favorite. Skyfall is a great choice. Uh, it was in the honorable mentions for me, and I picked Casino Royale. Mm. Um, so. I, if I had to choose between the Daniel Craig's, I think I actually would lean more towards Skyfall because, as a villain, I think Javier Bardem is one of the best Bond villains I'd seen since maybe Goldfinger. I wouldn't disagree with that. I just yeah. that the third act just has some stuff in there that just really oh, man. frustrates me. I love that movie from beginning to end. Cool. I really do. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think that uh, Mads Mikkelsen was a great villain in Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. But and I think that the the gambling aspect is something that you really hadn't seen. It, it's very unique for Bond, and I know it's kind of a remake. So don't get me. But it's something you hadn't seen in a very long time. You you think of the spy thriller, and this is a gambling movie. Yeah. But Skyfall is just. I think it's the perfect. I think it's the perfect Bond movie. I really do. I, yeah. I, I was trying to find a way to say it that couldn't be so outlandish and people, you know, sending me horrible emails. It's not the best Bond oh, movie. Oh, you don't want, I mean, I don't want to get into a conversation with a true Bond aficionado because I am. I will very, throw down with you Bond aficionados really? because I am one of you. Uh, really? You know all of them? And every, I have every I, Bond movie. I really do. So, okay. Yeah. And I've seen every Bond movie. I'll so throw down. bring it on, people. I'll, I'll th- throw down. I'll throw down with the Pixar people and the Hitchcock yeah. people, but not the Bond people because I, I have not seen them all and I am not. In fact, yeah. my Bond knowledge is pretty much more the modern ones. Yeah, I will um, throw down with Bond people, Godzilla people, and spaghetti <laughs> Western people. You bring well, it no, on. It's all about fighting with the people who love the same things that we love. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a passion is really right. what it is. It's that's not right. saying that... Like, no, that's what nerd car culture is. Yeah, that's really... Finding <laughs> people who love the same things that you do and then fighting with them. That's, yeah. Look at the response to Last Jedi. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah. Oh, I still need to re-see that a second time. I'm interested. You should let us know when you do and, yeah. and come back. And Because, man, the discussions are still going on about that movie. Ryan Johnson took some time yesterday or the day before mm-hmm. and actually tweeted to people, you know, bringing up points or whatever and was, you know, kind of interacting. Did he did an AMA? Like a Reddit AMA? He didn't AMA? do an AMA. He oh, okay. was just on Twitter. He was just responding, you know, to people. And, Interesting. Yeah. And he's he's actually going to be on one of uh, my favorite podcasts here next week. Sip pop. Yes. Oh, no, cool. No, sorry. No. Uh, oh. The guys from the Slash Film cast are good friends with Ryan. He was oh. actually on their podcast before he was a director and stuff. And so he's coming back to chat with them. And I'm interested to hear them as friends yeah. kind of talk about the movie and him as a director. So it'll, it'll I be think that could make them more honest, maybe. about. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it'd be an interesting environment for them to have those conversations. That's cool. I might have to check that one out. So, yeah. So that's... Uh, that's uh, the Bond conversation. Yep. What's your number one? I, I think. I think. Well, number two. Oh, oh, you had a different number two, probably. Yes. Okay. Because I thought you know you said we were going to have the same list. So. No, my number two. Although, why didn't I do my number two? Did you do yours first? Probably well, yeah. because I talked about my number three, and it was yeah, the same. My as yours. I got it. Got it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So my number two yeah. may be your number one. So you may trump this, but okay. it's a representation of the Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. Trumping. Okay. So you're gonna have that at number one. Yeah. 
Um, then I'll let you. Um, well, I'll do my number one. You do the, your number one. All right, let's yeah. do it that way. My number one is Mary Poppins. Oh, I love yeah. Mary Poppins so much. Uh, it is on my top 100 movies of all time. It is just a joy from beginning to end. Julie Andrews is incredible. Dick Van Dyke is amazing. The dude is 92 years old, and he's in Mary Poppins 2 this year. Isn't that cool? <laughs> Isn't that cool? It's insane. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I love that man. Uh, I love that story. I love what it means. It's so much fun. Great song. So singable. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of my faves. Yeah. So Mary Poppins. Good. Good pick. Good yeah. Pick. I think it's Alicia Vikander who's going to be Mary Poppins. I don't know. So I don't know. I Are you done going research. into this completely blind? Completely like you're blind not... so far, yeah. I no, don't know I mean, not... I know Dick Van Dyke's going to be in it. That's all I know. I know you're trailer blind on every movie, but yeah. with a movie that you're passionate about like this, do you just go completely in the dark? Like well, let me you don't say... want to know the cast? You don't want no, to no, know no. the let director? Me, let me say this. The fact that you just said uh, Alicia Vikander or, I think. or whatever. Don't call no, me. no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That doesn't bother me if I know that, but I'm not consciously seeking it out. Okay. Um, I don't feel like part of my job for what I do is to tell people what to expect or what to think of movies that are coming out. Uh, I feel like my job is to tell them about movies I've seen. So that's just kind of where I kind of fit myself in the perspective of things. So I don't feel like I have to know everything about every movie that's coming out this year. I like doing like the anticipated movies of the year episode. Yeah. And just thinking about, you know, Annihilation coming out. But I don't really know much about it. That's so You know, other than the basics. Because so. I went whenever I was doing YouTube, I went at it from the complete opposite. Well, I think there's a place for both. Yeah, because I feel in a way that... If you know the director, if you know the writer, and you know the actor, then you can have a sense of what to expect. Like, sure. if you know Denis Villeneuve is going to be doing a movie, sure. uh, like, say, before Arrival, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the guy who did Prisoners, he did Enemy, he did, uh, what was the other big one that he did? Uh, uh, Sicario. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a sense of the stylization he does, so you can kind of prepare yourself, yet you can still be blown away by a movie. Sure. Like Arrival. No, I totally so, agree. whenever I was doing I'm YouTube, just not that, seeking it out. Yeah, that's, uh, and I totally get it. I was just saying that it's interesting that we have two people on the same podcast who come at it from the exact, the yin to the yang, as so many people like to say on Twitter about us. <laughs> um, I think for me, I had to forgive myself for not fulfilling that expectations that some people have, that I would know everything about every movie that's coming up. Mm. So I had to find my place to understand I'm spending my time on being in the moment. You know, what's out now, what's coming. Like, I'll be about a week ahead. So about a week ahead, I'll start looking at, you know, what's coming out next week. You know, what do I need to know about it? But I'm, it's, I'm still not, like, going to Wikipedia or anything like that. I'm just kind of you know, getting a general sense of director or actors or those kind of things. Okay. So Nice. So, yeah. Are we ready to talk Cornetto Trilogy? Do it, man. I'm curious, what would have been your number one? Hot Fuzz. It is my number one as well. Yeah. I, uh, and that's not an easy call. <laughs> because, by the way, I know uh, Shaun of the Dead would fight for that number one spot as well. Yeah. Um, but... I, world's I, end is i love the world's end it's so good I, I watched it the other day i'm like it is so underappreciated i agree 100 yeah. um i if i had to rank them if you forced me to rank the cornetto trilogy i probably would put world's end at number two sean at number three really i, I probably I would, would i'd still put cornetto at number three Cornetto. Uh, i mean uh, uh world's end okay, at number yeah. three and then sean at number two and then hot fuzz hot fuzz for me 
and you might find this crazy, is the funniest movie of all time for me. <laughs> it no, is I don't my, find it crazy. It is uh, on my top 100 movies of all time. It is number 11. It is the highest ranked comedy. It is, for me, the perfect comedy. I don't think... Because it's British humor, but at the same time, they try to embrace that Western machismo cop movie. Oh, that's what makes it so amazing, is they, yeah. they, they find a way... <laughs> that's what Edgar Wright accomplished with those movies that blows me away. I'm the whole yeah. crew accomplished. Yeah. Is they found a way to be both a parody of the thing that they're about and yeah. also a great version of the thing that they're about. So yeah. Shaun of the Dead is not just a great parody of zombie movies. It's a great, it's a zombie. great zombie movie. Because there are some dark moments in Shaun of the Dead yeah. where you're like, wow, they just went to a straight up zombie movie right there. Yeah, and, and the, the same, same with Hot Fuzz. Same with Hot Fuzz. There are some moments where you're like, this is a crime thriller you don't know who the villain is it's a cop movie it's a good cop movie too but it's also the funniest movie i've ever seen it's the movie i've cried i've laughed so hard the most yeah it's it's the perfect comedy yeah i don't sorry sorry holy grail you've been outdone (laughs) it's so different they're so different but yeah no i I agree isn't that the thing though it's they're both british humor but Mm -hmm. they're so different yeah in themselves yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, I have no problem with it being at number one. I had it at number two, so there you go. There we go. You ready for some honorable mentions? Yeah, who what would, do you got? Who would you have repping from the Harry Potter world? I don't like Harry Potter movies. Oh, you don't like the Harry Potter movies? I would have Azkaban okay. uh, in my honorable mentions. Uh, I put Paddington in there. Great movie, worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, some others, uh, they mentioned in the chat, in fact, with somebody's number one in the chat, and rightfully so, The Third Man. Yeah. Uh, that obviously has to be mentioned. Uh, here's uh, what Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. I think is another one we're checking out. Um, Would you count In Bruges as a British movie? No, In Bruges is uh, Ireland, right? Yeah, it's Irish. So, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia, I would throw in there. Also, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai mm-hmm. is one that I have to put in there. because uh, Some love for Dunkirk uh, in the in the mm-hmm. chat as well. Totally yeah, get what, that. What do you think about Nolan movies? Is it just because he's a British director you can't really throw in every single one of his movies, right? No, 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 no. I think, yeah, I think for what we're doing, there has to be something distinctly British about, you know, the story or the characters or, you know, it's like Darkest Hour or Dunkirk. Those would certainly count Mm -hmm. uh, this year. I have another one about that same situation, Atonement, uh, I think is a a great one to throw in there as well. Chariots of Fire is another one to throw in. You know what? Maybe it was because I saw Chariots of Fire so late in life and people had hyped it up. I was like, really? It's just a track and field movie? (laughs) <laughs> it's a great sports movie though i didn't uh, don't give me that score you know da, 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 yeah da. you it's know so that's inspiring. gonna live like, it really is that that theme song will get you going for sure but uh other than that no uh king speech yeah uh we're gonna be talking about king speech in a little bit actually <laughs> okay yeah um, a heads up for a heads a spoiler up for things, alert for this th- episode of Sif things Pop. to come yeah <laughs> Uh, and then the only other one I had in my honorable mention was uh, Wallace and Gromit, uh, Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Oh, yeah. I would probably put Chicken Run above Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. I think I would no, put No, I probably Run. would, too. Okay. Uh, I would consider those two different... I wouldn't consider them the same. I know they're both from Ardman. Yeah. But, uh, like, I, you know, they're, Chicken Run is not Wallace and Gromit. They're no, two different movies. No, but I'm saying from that, you know, from Ardman, I would, I would pick, sure. I would pick Chicken Run. No, that's over. fair. That's nope. fair. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, because Ardman is kind of its own, you know, big thing. But yeah, Chicken yeah. Run as well. I keep thinking Wes Anderson, but I just keep because he has that dry humor that you'd find in a lot of British movies. But 
None of his movies are British. I don't know why. Like I kept thinking, like, oh yeah, I love uh, Life Aquatic, but I'm like, wait, that's not a British movie. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Not so. really. By the way, there are many that we missed. I guarantee yeah. you. Feel free to tweet them at us. That's fine. Like people are just. Why never- didn't you say train spotting? Uh, well, no, I'm sure there are a lot of people that I just. I'm not a big train spotting fan. Yeah. Uh, so it just it didn't make my list. Yeah. But a um, lot of Danny Boyle movies that people are going to be upset we didn't mention. Did you see Trainspotting Two? No, I, did I not. never got around to seeing it either. I just wasn't interested enough in the original Trainspotting, I guess, to to be invested in the second one. Eh, heroin. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like my heroines to be uh, like Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, those are the kind of heroines with I like. With an E. <laughs> That's right. With an E. I like my heroines like I like my coffee. With, with an, an E. e. <laughs> uh, did you just make that up on the fly? I did, yes. That is very <laughs> impressive. I actually think that's pretty good. We'll make a t-shirt. Before we head on to the rest of the show, just a heads up. If you want to support uh, this podcast through its podcast network, we'd appreciate it. Patreon.com slash Studio DNA is where you go to do that. Lots of fun stuff going on there. Great podcasts like Sif Pop that you will get automatically delivered to you in your own special feed. Uh, you won't have the ads that you hear at the beginning or the end of this podcast. Um, so it'll be right there for you, as well as bonus episodes. For instance, this uh, week uh, we talked about Den of Thieves because Andrew got a chance to see that, so we reviewed that a little bit. Yeah, we did. Uh, so you can check that out uh, if you're a patron at patreon.com slash DNA. Starts at 3 bucks a month. Also, by the way, for our $10 a month supporters, uh, we're getting ready to send our annual gift out to you. So every year, That's exciting. those who support at $10 a month or more get a gift. I have seen the gift. It is great. I love it. Uh, I love it so much I want three of my own. Uh, you can so make that happen. I, I, I actually have control to make that happen. You can make that happen. <laughs> so thank you so much for your support at whatever level. Again, that's at patreon.com slash studio DNA. Uh, before we head on to SifQuest, uh, the chat popped in with Chronicles of Narnia. I can't believe I didn't think of the Chronicles of Narnia. Not a fan. What? Yeah. The I read Chronicle, the, the Chrono what? Chronicles of Narnia. Chron- now that, if there's one thing I love Chronicles of Narnia based, it's, lazy that Sunday. Cr- it's Lazy Sunday. That's the best thing that ever came out of Chronicles of Narnia. I actually love the old original British versions. I don't know if you've seen them, but they actually did more of the books um, really? like back in the day. Uh, and those are those are really good. Not that I don't like the modern ones. The modern ones yeah. are okay. Um, but but yeah, I, I like the original ones. If you can count Black Mirror each episode as a movie, <laughs> then San Junipero is up there as one of my favorite as well British as Hang movies. The DJ, yeah, Man, or the Sherlock stuff. shows. Yeah. All right, we'll have to do British television at some other point. Gosh, that would be way harder. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Sift Quest, where you put us on a quest to answer your debates or questions. You can do that through Twitter or email. Um, and today's Sif Quest comes from Bud on Twitter. Hey, Bud. At Josh Shepard. So I'm sure his name is Josh, but we can call him either. Josh, what's up, Bud? <laughs> there you go. Here's here's what he says. Uh, hello, Aaron. I'm a huge... Aw. Fa- <laughs> 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 All right, let me start that. We'll do that again. Hello, Aaron and Andrew. Hi. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of the podcast and the work you do. Thank you for providing great movie knowledge and entertainment. I have a Sift Quest suggestion. I recently saw The Greatest Showman, and then parentheses, he puts meh, and him also <laughs> in an American popular culture t- culture class. 
the difference between the Barnum portrayed in the movie and the real man are staggering. He's not a good guy. My Sift Quest question is, what are some of the most accurate and inaccurate portrayals of real historical people in movies? I love this question. It's a great question. Now, I will say right off the bat, uh, we're going to get into a further conversation about true story movies in general. Do we like them? Do we mind if they're not like the true story? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because I think the essential question here about which are more or less accurate isn't necessarily one I'm totally equipped to answer. I feel like I would need to study a lot, you know, to know. Which I did for this. Oh, good. I'm glad. I have, I actually had an article that I looked up uh, that actually ranks movies, true, true story movies based scene by scene and ranks every scene as either true, mostly true. I'd love to read that. Yeah, it's it doesn't do it did it for like all the awards contenders last year and then several awards contenders the couple years before. Okay. So like for instance, um uh Lion, the movie Lion, one of my favorites. Yeah. Sixty one point four percent true. Hmm. Which is not a bad score if you look at kind of with it's kind of on the lower end a little bit. Hidden figures, seventy two point six percent true. Oh. Hacksaw Ridge, yeah, fifty one point five. Wow. So just a little over half. The Big Short, 91.4% true. That's crazy Isn't awesome. Isn't that great? Yeah, I love that. Uh, I, and that was going to be one of the ones I talked about because I love the way that movie is aware of itself enough mm-hmm. to tell you what is true or not true in the movie. It's its own Wikipedia article yeah. in many ways. And in fact, uh, I, Tanya is, is a lot the same way that came out this year. Kind of has that same kind of thing where the well, character I, Tanya will tell you. Well, I, Tanya is more like there are different aspects of the story told from different, you know. Like, sure. So you don't know which is true and which yes. isn't. Same which principle. in itself is true. Like, we don't know which one's true, well, so we're going to tell you both. And that's what uh, was said about The Wolf of Wall Street, too, is yeah. that the people who lived that are so undependable. Because anyway, the, so it's kind of an unreliable narrator kind yeah. of thing, you know, where it's like, who knows, even though they're saying that's true, yeah. who knows if it really is true, because there's varying, you know, accounts, so that's always going to happen as well. And varying degrees of consciousness <laughs> and lucidity. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you want me to continue down this list? Yeah, yeah. Spotlight, 76.2%. Okay. Bridge of Spies. 89.9%. That's wow. another really high one. That's really high. Uh, and uh, Selma. Mm-hmm. The movie Selma. You ready for this? Yeah. 100% true. They didn't find a single false thing in the entire movie wow. of Selma. Isn't that interesting? Wow. Um, so they actually have uh, like a, a graph where every scene, like for the length of the movie. I'll turn this around here, Andrew, so you can see it. So, like, they they shade them in either blue, which is totally true, light blue, which is mostly true, gray is cannot be verified, Mm -hmm. and then there's light red for mostly false and red for blatant lie. Wow. So From what you were saying, I thought it was going to be like a pie chart or something like that from, like, degrees from Selma to Pocahontas for how (laughs) reliable it is. No. No, but it's interesting because they actually go scene by scene. So, this the chart represents the movie's runtime. And then, you know, it has the different colors for, you know, the scenes that are going on. Who, who, uh, who what, what website is it? Informationisbeautiful.net. Okay, I'm going to look that up because that is right up my alley with things I'd like to look the at. The lowest was The Imitation Game, which is one of my favorite movies, so that makes me sad. But 41.4% was the lowest true story. Okay. So, there you go. And there's plenty of others here, but we don't need to go through yeah. them all. So, what were some of the ones that you thought of? Uh, Lincoln. Daniel Day-Lewis's portrayal of Lincoln. We always think of him as a rough... Uh, 
deep bass talker when he was actually a very timid and a very not high pitched, but you know, a soft spoken man. Sure, yeah. And uh, I know Lincoln is not about his entire presidency. It's about you know just one aspect of his presidency. Granted, it's the most important aspect of his pre- presidency. Certainly, but. Whenever you have an actor like Daniel Day-Lewis, I think you can rest assured that he is going to do his due diligence and his research on that character to make sure it sure. is beyond accurate. But he's also not writing the script either, so yeah. the things that happen in the movie aren't necessarily accurate, even if his portrayal is. Yeah, and uh, a, a counter to that is an accurate portrayal of an actual event. I'm going to go with Apollo 13. Yeah, yeah. great choice. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's up there with one of the greats. Ron Howard, man, he knows how to make a movie. And Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, and uh, was it Kevin Bacon? Is yeah. the other one? Yeah, yeah, Bacon was in there. Yeah. Man, Gary those, Sinise. Gary Sinise, man, those guys are good. Yeah. Those guys are real good. It's one of my Th- That's a movie that'll make you want to be an astronaut. Even though, like, how horrifying it was for them, you still like, man, they're so smart. They always kept their calm. They yeah. knew what to do. Yeah, it makes you want to be an astronaut. I have to say, you know, as you talk about true movies, and I say this a lot in my reviews. In fact, I, mm-hmm. I called myself out for saying this uh, too much in one of my recent reviews, but it's it's true. Um, to ironically, uh, I when a movie is based on a true story, mm-hmm. it's it's better for me. It's just you know, like it is. It has a better chance at being at me loving it. If it's Me based as well. on, and if it's based on a true story, and I don't know if that's fair. I don't know. You know, I just know when I'm like, oh my goodness, some of this happened like this, or this is you know something that happened in the real world. I I just I it's just there's it's an extra level of amazingness for me. And I'm sure that you're like me. Whenever you see that it's based on a true story, you don't take every scene oh, no, of, of that movie as not. fact. Of course, everything's going to be dramatized. But the fact that it's based on true events makes it special in some way. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. If I see based on a true story, I'm like, I'm in. I got to see that movie. Uh, you know, uh, I mentioned Big Short, I, Tanya, a couple others I wanted to mention, uh, different kinds of true stories. Yeah. Uh, this kind of fits in with some of the stuff we've been talking about. Catch Me If You Can is another one of my favorite true stories. Yeah, that's a good Frank one. Frank Abnegale is an amazing character. And from what I understand, even looking up stuff on him, that movie is surprisingly accurate at yeah. what he did uh mind-blowing this this kid, kid with no education was you know one of the best con men of all time he was a, a pilot and a doctor and a lawyer and a lawyer <laughs> like oh man it is it is a real testament to if you act like you know what you're doing people will believe and you now he works doing. for the fbi um, you know what uh, good yeah. for him you know yeah I'd rather have his powers fighting for good. Yeah. Than putting really... people in danger. Exactly. Uh, inaccurates. It has to be Pocahontas is number one. Yeah. And not just the cartoon aspect, but how horrible Wait, her story is. You mean Pocahontas wasn't a cartoon in real <laughs> <What>? life? <laughs> no, I'm talking about how uh, the love story between her and John Smith. She was 10 when he kidnapped her. Oh, and, man. And... Uh, yeah, it's horrible what her life story ended up being. It's so sad. I'm so great. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because this turns me to the conversation about when I'm okay with a true story mm-hmm. and when I'm not. Yeah. And I think what it comes down to, like with your talking in Pocahontas, is when something is based on a true story, yeah. but you change the underlying foundation of the facts, yeah. Um, 
you all of a sudden are trying to change the message or texture of what actually happened. To the point it can be offensive. Exactly. And Pocahontas does that. I I agree that The Greatest Showman does that. By the way, I I don't know that we've reviewed that on here. You did a pre-show. Did I do a pre-show? Yeah. Okay, so I've so I've said this on the pre-show at least, but yeah. that movie is spectacular, literally spectacular. Like it's the songs are amazing, the dance routines are amazing, but I am not on board because it changes the foundation of the truth about P.T. Barnum's He's life. Not he a was good guy. Not a good guy. And I felt the same way about American Maid, about the character Tom Cruise was playing. Yeah. Not a good guy. And yeah. it changes the facts in a way that makes you think, oh, look at this scoundrel. Can't we all love him? Yeah. Instead of going, this guy worked with the worst, most violent drug dealers to get drugs into America, and people died because of him. Like, this is not, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, that's when for me, I go, I'm not with you anymore. Yeah. Like, you can change. Obviously, you know, lines that people said or move events around or even add like, you know, a character that's a combination of people in real life. That stuff doesn't bother me as long as the underlying foundation of what's going on in the message yeah. stays true. I'm going to be OK. Yeah. You know, now there are going to be people probably sending me messages on Twitter who are faithful to this podcast. Whenever we were ranking uh, Disney princesses, I said that I love Pocahontas. I do like the movie Pocahontas, but. I understand that it is a terrible representation of what really happened to that Well, then you're girl. dealing with the same thing that a lot of people who like Greatest Showman are dealing with. They yeah. love that movie, yeah. even though maybe they have an intellectual understanding that P.T. Barnum was an, an awful person. And I'm not yeah. saying you can't do that either. Yeah. I'm just saying it becomes tricky for me because yeah. I, you know, I want to be on board with it. I want to love it. It's just... It's it's problematic. You want to make word, right? sure you can make a movie like that. Just also try and make people aware of the facts that you are washing away. Like, hey, we're making this movie. It's going to be a great movie. It's going to have a good message to it. But keep in mind, this is not how it really happened. I think for me, yeah. I, maybe it's different for Pocahontas and Greatest Showman. For Greatest Showman, for me, I'm just like, why even make it about P.T. Barnum? Just make it about, you know, a circus guy that people can kind of go, oh, I bet that was kind of based on P.T. Barnum, even though he's not called P.T. Barnum in the movie. Yeah. Why do you actually have to make it about him, you know? Yeah. That wasn't the draw for that movie. Yeah. Um. So with Pocahontas, Pocahontas is kind of the draw for the movie. So I don't know that you could just make it about, you know, an oh. Indian princess. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Um. But but anyways, so I, I just, you know, it's frustrating for me I sometimes. have a couple more inaccurates. Go King, for it. King's Speech. Okay. Because uh, they really over-dramatized his inability to articulate. His uh, Tourette's and his stutter were nowhere near that level. King's Speech is actually in this uh, this list of ranking that I have up here. Oh, is it? What is it listed? Why don't you guess the percentage of accuracy in the overall King's Speech? 47? 73.4. Really? Mm-hmm. That's... But it's you're not wrong about some of the big moments being yeah. inaccurate. That's it's, just an it's overall. To, or, uh, yeah, that's uh, the full movie. Scene to scene. Yeah. Yeah. Another one is Braveheart. Apparently, from what I gather, like as much as I love that movie, from a historically accurate standpoint, it is not that. You know, uh, apparently the princess he falls in love with turns out she's only three. Uh, historically, like whenever this movie's taking place. Also, like, England is not at war with Scotland during the time period this movie's taking place. Like, right. he got a lot of facts wrong, but it's still a great movie. 
Um, and the thing with the movie like Braveheart, when you're basing a true story on something that happened, you know, 500 years ago or whatever. Also, William Wallace was not called Braveheart. That nickname was for somebody else. <laughs> just stole it. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, when you're dealing with something that long ago, mm-hmm. it's hard to know what you can trust to be true anyways. That's true. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just yeah. the, what's written down isn't necessarily what's true. Uh, if you don't, if you only have one source, and you don't have verified, you know, several sources saying the same thing. It's hard to really know yeah. uh, with a lot of that stuff. Looking at the chat, I see that people are saying a uh, raging bull because mm-hmm. it's kind of based on Rocky Marciano. Uh, I don't know because I've also heard uh, accounts. I'd, obviously, I'd have to do more uh, uh, research on this, but I hear that he wasn't as abusive and like a terrible husband or father as portrayed in Raging Bull. Also, Was, the was fact it that supposed he, to be a true story or just kind of... It's loosely based on the life of Rocky Marciano. How loosely based? Because in the same way you could call the master loosely based on uh, the uh, Scientology. The Scientology, yeah. yeah. So you know what I'm saying? Like, Well, they mentioned it in the chat, so I had to bring... Because I know that people... It's always like, oh, that's the untold story of Rocky Marciano. They yeah. just didn't call him Rocky Marciano. See, and and that's, it's the exact same thing with the master, like you're saying. Yeah, and that's and it's the exact same thing I was saying with The Greatest Showman. You know, they could have done something like that, yeah. and I think I would have forgiven them a lot more, and then I'd be able to enjoy the soundtrack more because the songs are amazing, but every yeah. time I listen to them, I'm like, but P.T. Barnum, man. He's a horrible <laughs> human being. Also, uh, the reason why I'm not mentioning 300 is it because it's based on the graphic novel. I can't mention 300 because it's not trying yeah, to be historically that would, accurate. Yeah, that would be a weird one to talk about as a true story. Yeah. Now, if you want to mention movies based on the Battle of Thermopylae, yeah, it is like 1% true. But it's based on a graphic novel, which is based on quote-unquote real events. So it's a comic book movie, kind of. So I can't really count 300 in there. Uh, the other one mentioned in the chat I think we should bring up is one of the best true stories ever told. Very accurate was uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yes. Uh, so... Yeah, definitely wanted to make sure and mention that one. Yeah, it's right up there. <laughs> Actually, I thought for a minute that Daniel Day-Lewis was going to be Lincoln in both movies. <laughs> that would have been amazing, wouldn't it? That, been, that should have been the last. Lin- that should have been Daniel Day-Lewis's last movie. In hey, Vampire Lincoln, Hunter, Hunter, he would have gone by a pseudonym, Daniel Night Lewis, yeah, and he'd be you know be like night and day. The differences in those performances. It took me a minute, but I, <laughs> then ah, uh, uh, Aaron, you did it again. All right, let's uh, let's finish up with some buried treasure, okay? Shall we? Uh, yeah. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture you want to make sure people know about? I'm cheating. I'm doing one a movie that we just recently reviewed, but I wasn't here for it. Okay, but I just recently saw it, The Shape of Water. Yeah, finally saw it. Sally Hawkins. We were talking about her earlier from Paddington. Wow, that movie is good. Little known fact: they're all from the same expanded universe. Yes, uh, that's the same character. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's definitely not a movie for everybody. I can say that now. I can, like I saw that movie and I'm like, we should know that by the name Del Toro on the. Not from that, uh, because I was okay. I want to have this conversation with you real sure. quick. There are two Guillermo del Toros when it comes to making movies. There's the Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro, and then there's the Hellboy Pacific Rim, Guillermo del Toro. One of those just likes to make cool kaiju action mm-hmm. movies. I and like the that other, Del Toro. You like that Del Toro? Uh-huh. I like the artistic. St- no, don't don't get me wrong. I love Pacific Rim and all okay. those. But I, even more than that, whenever he does a movie like this, I'm like, I want to see more of this Del Toro. I want yeah. Guillermo Del Toro to be the artistic. He can still 
he makes movies metaphorically about monsters to make it, and it's so human yes. at the same time. Oh, no, and especially Shape of Water. Shape of Water is such a beautiful exploration of yeah. how we find love and what relationships look like and yeah. how we find connection. And- yeah, or imperfections in humanity, because I really think that that's what the underlying theme of this movie is, mm-hmm. is how we see people with disabilities or exactly. and how we can view them as monsters, you mm-hmm. know, but really there's they're beautiful creatures, quote unquote, mm-hmm. you know, and man, this movie is so good. The soundtrack, Alexandre Duplat, you are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I loved I, it. It became my number two movie of the year right behind Blade Runner. I remember you uh, when we, you hadn't seen it when we were talking about uh, our awards. We did the awards episode and I mentioned yeah. Richard Jenkins giving one of the best performances wow. of the year. So Was good. I right? He is so good. He's incredible. Isn't he it? is so good. And of course you have um, uh, Michael Shannon just mm-hmm. doing his thing. But Sally Hawkins. Wow. Wow, she is good. She is so good. <laughs> it's 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 pretty For awesome. A character that never says a word. She she took my breath away. I will say yeah. uh I have a new love and respect for Del Toro after the awards this year. They uh sat at the table across the aisle from us. Uh-huh. The Shape of Water table was right across from us and watching him respond to all the other awards. So when they gave best uh sci-fi horror movie mm-hmm. of the year, Get Out beat yeah. Shape of Water. Yeah. Shape of Water was nominated Get Out One, and he immediately stood up and cheered and gave a standing ovation and was hooting and hollering at Jordan Peele as he was walking by. And yeah. You can just tell that he really loves his community. Yeah. And uh, and I, I really enjoyed watching him as a person. And that table, by the way, when they announced that, because they won Best yeah. Picture yeah. at the Critics' Choice uh, and at the Golden Globes, um, so they've got a lot of momentum. Yeah. But when they won, that table just exploded. It was so cool. I... Uh... After watching his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes, you see him not only as a fan of like monster movies and stuff like that. You see him as just as a man who wants to tell a story, and it just happens that monster films are how he can really just tell a beautiful story. Yeah, I love Guillermo del Toro, and I his it almost brought tears to my eye how beautiful his acceptance speech at the Golden Globes was. So yeah. Yeah, he seems like a really cool dude. Yeah. Um, the one I'm going to mention, uh, speaking of the awards, I already mentioned that they walked by our table. Uh, I started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel uh, from Amazon. How is it? It's great. Really? Oh, it's so good. And I think the thing that put me over the edge to start watching it, because I don't need new stuff to watch on my list. Like, I'm so far <laughs> behind. Like, I, it was such a relief off my uh, spirit when I decided to do movies. And stop being like an official TV reviewer. Because for a while, I was on the Broadcast TV Journalists Association as well. Yeah. Um, And it's just such a relief to know I'm watching TV primarily for entertainment. I mean, I'll talk about it here, that kind of stuff. But it's the movies that I feel like, you know, vocationally attached to. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't need something else to watch. But the thing that put me over the edge was when I heard it was about stand-up comedy. And I'm such a fan of, you know, the art of stand-up, and it's, yeah. it deals with an era of stand-up that not a lot of shows have, which is kind of, you know, the Bob Hope, you know, starting era of, sta- of stand-up comedy. And, uh, and with this, you know, this woman who is uh, finding herself involved, and I've watched three episodes, mm-hmm. and every episode is so funny, so full of energy. Um, Tony Shalhoub is so great in it um and there's just there's great stand-up in it there's 
you know, such funny moments. I love the family dynamic of it, kind of these characters. So I'm really enjoying it uh, throughout the, the, you know, typical caveat for something that's, you know, uh, online. You can expect it's very adult oriented. You know, there's yeah. uh, certainly language and nudity, those kind of things. But, um, is, but yeah. Am- is Amazon one where they drop it all at once or is it a uh, once I, a week? I just it- know it's all there right now, okay. but I came to it late. So I don't know if they dropped it weekly. Okay, but or, it's all there now. But it's all there now. Okay. So. Yeah. At least the 10 episodes that I see are there now. Okay. So I, you know. Doesn't it feel good to just watch television because you just want to? <laughs> like, yes. I'll be at home. Like, last night, I'm like, I'm just going to watch the Goldbergs for a couple hours. <laughs> right. It's a great show, you know. That's what that's what my night was. I was like, I, as soon as I finished writing everything for today, I'm like, I wonder what those Goldbergs are up to. So, yeah, that's just what my night was. Oh, don't get me wrong. I still watch a lot of TV. I, you know, I find it a valuable addition to my pop culture, you know, persona of, no, you know, kind of being aware of what's going on in pop yeah. culture. But, um, but yeah, no, it is nice just to be able to. I think a couple of days ago, I just binged the entire season of Ultimate Beastmaster on Netflix. Uh, the new it's uh, show. fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's really it's fun. fun. So. I love Ultimate Beastmaster. Yeah, it, not, I don't watch it really for the uh, for the uh, athletics. I watch it for the international hosts. <laughs> I think the international so hosts are just so fun. That was actually my buried treasure last week. Oh, was it? Was, it was Ultimate Beastmaster? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that was my uh, buried treasure like a long time ago. I know. I know. So, but you finally watched it. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, we did it. We did a podcast, Andrew. Yeah. Many, many things were discussed today. So many things. This was a good one. I like this one. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. If you want to find out more about other live and later shows on the network, you can follow us at Spreaker. That's Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Uh, you can go there uh, on your desktop, on your laptop, or on your mobile device by downloading the Spreaker app. Great place to listen to all the old episodes, comment on any episodes. In fact, the live comments that happen during the episodes are now there to add to that kind of stuff at Spreaker. So it's kind of a fun, nice environment to uh, to hang out with the Sif Pop community. Uh, huge thanks to Andrew for being here. You got anything you want to you want to pump? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Flick Freaks. Um, just. I'm not really doing the whole uh, YouTube thing, even though I have posted several videos recently, <laughs> but they're about Roland, so it's okay. That's I right. want to plug my dog Roland because he's the <laughs> cutest little thing on the planet. Uh, I would plug yourmoviefriend.com uh, or your movie friend on YouTube, getting ready to launch my Fay 41 for 2017. Uh, that'll happen here in the next couple weeks. I love uh, that. I'm excited about so, that. So that'll be my official list and uh, Phantom Thread. Did get a chance to see that in time, so uh, it is going to be part of that discussion. So, see where that ranks uh, for my movies of the year, and then also uh, I will be on the Sincast uh, coming up here soon, talking the movies of 2017 here in the next couple weeks. So, nice. I want to keep an ear open for that one as well. All those guys, I say hi. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon supporters as well for giving monthly to make this show and others on the network possible. Support starts at three bucks a month, comes with some pretty fun perks. You can find out more at Patreon.com/studioDNA. Uh, if you want to connect with the podcast, you can leave a comment at Spreaker or you can email us feedback at sifpop.com. Uh, feedback at sifpop.com, by the way, if you want to throw a sift quest at us there, you can do that or you can tweet that at us as well. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie loving friends will probably like it too. So let them know about it and that listening is much easier than making marmalade for an entire prison. 
Spoiler chat for this week's movie should be up next in your podcast feed soon. And we'll see you back next week uh, with some more discussion on movies and more. Have you ever had marmalade? I don't believe I have. After watching both those movies back to back, I was like, I got to try it now. Right? Yeah. Or make it. Apparently it all you need is an orange. Orange and sugar. That's all it is. Orange and sugar, apparently. And I love oranges and I love sugar. So it it sounds like it's right up my <laughs> sounds alley. Like it should all work out nicely. Yeah.